If you have a copy of God's Word with you, please, could you please turn to Joshua and the chapter 24, please? Joshua and the chapter 24. The book of Joshua, chapter 24, and we'll commence our reading in verse 12. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And I sent the the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which ye, di- which ye planted not do ye eat. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Amen. And we'll end a reading in verse 16. Perhaps we'll just uh, commit our time now to the Lord in prayer. Ask for the Lord to come and to visit us. And you personally ask the Lord that he would speak to your heart tonight. We pray that, uh, child of God, that it would be a word of season for you. And perhaps if you're unsaved in this meeting, you pray and ask that the Lord would personally speak to you this evening. Let's all unite our hearts in prayer. Our gracious God and eternal Father in heaven, we do thank and praise thee for another Sunday evening gospel service. We thank you, Lord, for each uh, family and young person and every child of God that has gathered in here this evening. We thank you, Lord, for any visitors that sin with us as well, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for bringing them in. We pray, Father, right now that you would sanctify, Lord, this place. We pray, Lord, that you would cleanse me of sin and self and that you would fill me afresh with the spirit of the living God. We pray, Lord, that everything that would be said of me, that it would be nothing at all of Matthew Hunter, but that it would be everything of my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved me and shed his blood and died for me. We thank you, Lord, not only for saving grace, but we thank you, Lord, for your keeping power. And Lord, we confess, even though we're saved, washed in the blood, how we feel thee each and every day. Lord, how we sin in thought and in word and deed. But we thank, we, we thank you, Lord, tonight that our sin is cast into the sea of forgetfulness. We acknowledge, Lord, that salvation is instant, but sanctification takes a lifetime. So, Father, we pray that you would give us grace to walk our walk with thee. Help us to walk closer with thee, as already has been prayed in the prayer meeting. Lord, that I would uh, decrease, and Lord, that you would have the increase. We pray for each family that's represented in here. We pray for every individual. Lord, thou knowest what's going on in their individual personal life right now, whether they're perhaps in a a mountaintop experience, they're walking well with the Lord. Our Lord, perhaps, unfortunately, there's those that's in bypath meadows. Perhaps they're cold at heart. They're not where they should be. They're not where where they used to be. We pray tonight, Lord, we would see fruit and that thy word would speak on. I pray you would help me take away the fear of man. And speak for me and through me tonight. Father, we love you and we thank you for everything that you have done for us and for everything that you are doing through us. We ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen. Joshua chapter 24 and the verse 15. 
as my text that I would like to bring a few thoughts from. And we'll read it together again. The word of God says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know about you, but I love walking into a believer's home. You're walking into a Christian home, and perhaps you would open the front door of this believer's home. And as soon as you walk through the front hallway of this home, this is maybe a text that you would see in the front hall as you would walk in. Now, I don't know about you, but personally speaking, I love walking into a believer's home and seeing it filled with scripture texts. It's just a lovely, lovely thing. And this is a very, very well-known passage of scripture that's brought before us in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. And I want to direct your thoughts to choices because at the end of verse 15 he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he's asking them to choose this day whom the children of Israel will serve because of course this is the audience here in the chapter. Now, it goes without saying that life is really all about choices, isn't it? And that is that we make good choices in life or perhaps we make not so good choices in life. The many choices that we're faced with in life perhaps may be buying a new car, changing the car, maybe first-time mortgage, first-time home, maybe choosing a holiday. Perhaps for the young people in here tonight, it's about what high school they're going to go to after primary school, what career they're going to choose, what university, when they're going to get married, a life partner. All of these things is choices. And a lot of these things is very important choices also. But I must direct you to the most important choice that each and every one in this world is faced with. And that is you either believe and accept the gospel or you reject the gospel. And it really doesn't get any more simpler than that. You believe the gospel by faith. You put your faith and trust not in yourself but in the finished work of the cross or else you reject it. It is the most important choice that each and every one of us is faced with tonight. It's not, it's not indeed what we're going to get for supper tonight. It's what, not what you're going to do for the week ahead. It's about what thank ye of Christ. Are you saved tonight? Are you washed in the blood? Are you sure of a home in heaven? Have you got peace in your heart and in your own soul? May I add that once, you make, once a person makes that most important choice in their life, and that is to get saved by faith in Christ, you should be able to see an evidential change in that individual's life. And I pose the question to each child of God on here tonight that's saved and walking with the Lord. Can an unsaved person, if you were walking down Market Hill Street or Rich Hill or Balik or wherever it would be, can somebody see the change that's in you? In other words, are you a spirit-filled Christian? Have you got joy in your heart, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, goodness, meekness, temperance, the nine fruits of the Spirit? I ask the question, are you a Spirit-filled Christian? Can somebody say there's something different about that man? There's something different about that woman? And see if they do say that there's something different. You know my answer to that there? Praise God. Because we ought to be different than the world. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it 
And 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it's one of my favorite passages of the scripture. And it's also well known to you as all, and I'll quote it for you again. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Praise God, all things are become new. You see, whenever you get saved, there's a heart change. And then evidently, whenever time goes on, whenever you grow, whenever you grow by grace... People should be able to see evidently the change in that person's life. The real change that it brings of the gospel. The Apostle Paul, whenever he gets saved, he got new desires in his heart. Remember what he was like before he got saved? He absolutely hated Christians, persecuted them, hated the gospel, hated the cause for Christ. And then whenever he had this meeting with the Lord in Acts chapter 9, this was a life that was changed and transformed. And folks, tonight, that's what the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ does. It changes you from the inside out. He puts a new song on your heart. He gives you new desires. Like myself, personally speaking, praise God, I no longer want to take drugs. I no longer want to smoke cigarettes. I no longer want to take drink. I no longer want to take tablets. Why? Because I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm not saying as a Christian that our lives is perfect. In fact, that's the thing about being a Christian, if there's anybody that's still not saved in here tonight. And you know, see, before I became a Christian, I was the most critical, one of the most critical people out there. Why? Because what is in must come out. I was unhappy inside. I was bitter. I was critical. And I used to say to myself, see these Christians, they think they're perfect. They think that their life's all rosy and they live their life in a bubble. No, it's far from it, isn't it? I always love to use the illustration of Noah and the ark whenever the flood came. And that being said that Noah wasn't exempt from the flood, but the Lord carried him through the flood. He brought him through the storm. And it's the same for us as Christians. We're going to have hard times. We're going to have times where we cry. We're going to have times where we laugh. But we have a God in heaven who will bring us through our storms in life. Perhaps you're going through a storm in life tonight and I know nothing about, but God knows all about it. The choice, the change, but we also need to be committed for the cause of Christ. In other words, we can't live and love the things of the world but yet want and desire a walk for God, it doesn't work. You must choose this day whom you will serve. You can't have your sin. You can't have your drink. You can't have your cigarettes. You can't have your immoral life as well as the walk with God. It won't work. You need to choose what you want to do. Maybe you have one foot in and one foot out. As the saying goes, you're a do what you like, eh? You do what you want. You do your own thing. But you need to choose the world or Christ. I loved what C.T. Studd once quoted. He says, uh, One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Believer tonight, are you hungry for the things of God? Are you thirsty? You know, there's never been a truer saying, and that is, if you're saved and welcome to the Lord... We're saved to serve. We're not saved to sit. We need to be committed 
to the things of God. Now, I dare say, if I was to ask for a raise of hands tonight of who was brought up in a Christian home, and I would dare say there's quite a number in the congregation that would raise their hand up and say, yes, I was brought up in a Christian home. And you'll say, Matthew, why do you ask that question? Why do you pose that question to me? Well, just to remind you in case you forgot, if you have been brought up in a Christian home, or if, for the young people, if you're currently being brought up in a Christian home, you are a very privileged and blessed individual. You should be so, so thankful for a mother and a father that loves you, for a grandmother and a grandfather that loves you. You know, maybe some of the young people in here tonight and you maybe think, my mum and my dad, they're hard on me. No, they're not. They love you and they want what's best for you. They want to train you up in the things of God so that whenever you're old enough and big enough in your own eyes and whenever you start making your own decisions in life. Now, I'm not saying that a mother and father's role has ever done it's ever complete. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But my point is, an individual, a man, a young woman, comes to a stage in their life, in their teenage years, whenever they become an adult, where they need to start making the biggest decisions in their life. They need to choose and say to themselves, do I continue my walk with the Lord? Are they caught up in the snare of the world and with the, the sinfulness that's out there? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he should not depart from it. I didn't necessarily have the privilege of being brought up in a Christian home, but one thing I thank and praise God for was I did have a godly influence in my life. And it's everything, it's the same for any of us. We should all be so grateful for the godly influences that we've had in our life down throughout the years. And my granny and my granda, they're saved people. And I also had an aunt who is a Sunday school teacher as well. Now, would you believe it as whenever I was a young boy, I attended our congregation in Randallstown and attended the Sunday school children's meetings, Sunday services. And would you believe it if I told you this evening that I actually made a profession to get saved as a young boy? I knew my need for the Savior. I got convicted by the Spirit of God. But yet, it was somewhat a false profession. There was no fruit. There was no evidential change in my life. And I can honestly say that life was very, very difficult for me growing up too. I was born in the town of Antrim, and then due to various events that had took place in my life, my mother and my father, they separated whenever I was very, very young. So that caused myself and my younger sister and my mum, we moved house quite a bit while we were growing up, just with that instability in the home. And that's another thing to be so, so thankful for, is a stable home, where a mother and father loves you and wants what's best for you. Do you want to know what? Money cannot buy such things. It's so much to be thankful for and to be grateful for, just to remind each and every one of you. And I struggled throughout all my childhood life. My mother, sadly, had a real bad problem with alcohol while I was growing up. And by the way, I do not use one thing as an excuse for me making the choices that I made in my life. We all have a free will. And we all make our own decisions. I don't blame absolutely anybody 
bar myself for the decisions and for the path that I took in my own life. I actually faced uh, depression as a young boy as well. I went to Randallstown Central Primary School and I remember going to my GP practice in Randallstown and my GP said, not that I'm boasting about it, but it was very, very sad, in fact. I was 12 years old and he says, Matthew, you're the youngest person I have ever prescribed antidepressants to. I was an antidepressant right up until about five or six years ago. As a child, I was faced with being in a hospital in Belfast due to my mental health whenever I was growing up. And again, I don't blame anybody. I don't blame my mother. I don't blame it for my mother and father separating. I was just unfortunate that I was experiencing these things in my life. And whenever I look back now, and even tonight, whenever I basically turned my back on God, whenever the seed was planted in me, but yet I wanted to do my own thing. You see, whenever I was old enough and big enough, of course not in God's eyes or my mum's eyes or my grandparents, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to be bored with church anymore. I found it boring. I found it unappealing. Didn't want to know. Didn't want to be associated with Christians. Didn't want to be associated with church. You'll ask the question, why? Because I wanted to do life my way. I thought I knew best. But little did I know that was the Lord saying to me, well, Matthew, I tell you what, you go and you do your own thing and you see how far it'll take you. I was really going down a bad path, but I was totally oblivious to it, totally unaware. As I say, I struggled throughout my primary school years. Uh, gradually uh, going into secondary school, I went to Park Hall Secondary School in the town of Antrim. And there was sadly another event that took place in my life and I experienced on occasion uh, getting bullied at school too. So with the mixture of the bullying and with the mixture of the mental health, I got pulled out of that high school because things had just got too much for me. I couldn't cope and just didn't want to be there. Didn't want to live at this time as well, even as a young boy. And I went back to my high school, or sorry, I beg your pardon, I went back to my primary school and I get tuition, I get home, I get tutored there in that primary school for a while until things was organised and I get placed in another high school called Colabaki Secondary School. And of course, that's near the town of Balamina. And there was another thing that took place in my life. Now, bear in mind, I had turned my back on God, had made that false profession. There was no depth, there was no fruit, even in that confession. But I praise God for that seed that was planted in me even as a young boy. And I attended this primary school and, 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 or this secondary school and second year of high school. And there was one thing that I started indulging with in my life. Now, that's one thing that we're obviously wide aware about is high schools. Let's be real and let's be honest about the fact Okay, Our high schools are sadly, there's drugs that's readily available. And it's a huge, huge thing for a child, for a boy, for a girl, to make that transition from a primary school to a high school. It's a very scary thing, not only for the child, but of course I'm speaking for the mothers and fathers and for the family as well, to see their wee boy, to see their wee girl making that next step in their life. It's a very scary thing, isn't it? But not only that, they're going to be wide to the open temptation and the reality of this world, and that is you are going to have to decline certain things in your life. You're going to have to put uh, boundaries in place. You're going to have to say no. You're going to have to be different. You're going to come across opposition and get taunted, perhaps, about being a Christian. You're going to have to stand firm in your faith. 
Sadly, I wasn't. I had no grounding. I had no foundation. So, as it was, I started smoking a cigarette. Very subtle, very innocent. It's a thing that a lot of people was doing at high school. So why wouldn't I try it? Smoking oftentimes is used with the term called a gateway drug. In other words, if you are going to smoke a cigarette, you're going to try a glass of beer, a glass of wine, or perhaps a smoke of cannabis, or whatever it may be. I'm not saying that that happens 100% of the time, but you're guaranteed most of the time it does. It was cigarettes for me, quickly led to cannabis, and then it was party drugs, the likes of ecstasy and speed. Now, I'll drop a bombshell. You may ask and say, Matthew, what age were you whenever you were doing these things? I was 16 years of age. And I'm sure that is a total shocker to all of you that's in this church tonight. My GCSEs didn't want to know, couldn't be bothered, had no interest in school whatsoever. One thing that I always did have, and I'm thankful for it, was I always had a good work ethic. I never liked lazing around and lousing around. I was never afraid to get my hands dirty. So, with me being at school, with having no interest at school, that led me to working on farms. I'd done a bit of milking. I worked in a, a lorry breaker's yard. and I, I worked in a car wash. And this was all whenever I was still at school. And it was great to have a wee a pound in my pocket, even at this young age. So it taught me that I needed to work to earn money, to make an honest living. Now, whenever um, I left school, or sorry, I was still at school, and I actually landed my first proper job, and it was an apparel station in a little village called Ahokal, just outside Ballymena. Now, I'm not here to beat about the bush tonight or to sugarcoat anything and to let on that everything was rosy. I am going to tell you exactly how it was. Okay? I'm going to be totally honest. I was in that petrol station and I was working away. I got the bus off school and that dropped me off and I got my, had my bag on and I changed into the work uniform. And basically, due to my sinful actions, I get fired from that petrol station. I stole out of that petrol station and I get fired. And I knew I had done a bad thing but yet again, I just totally deserved everything that I got. And I was out of work for a period of time. It was probably for about five or six months. And the recession had hit really bad at the time. This brings us to about, I think it's 2007, 2008, that kind of time frame. And my uncle, who is a joiner by trade, he fits uh, wood-burning stoves there as well. The work had completely dried up, so he needed to do something drastic to try and create revenue in again. So he had a vision, he had a plan, and he was always into his fitness. So he opened up this uh, bodybuilding gym in the town of Ballymena. And of course, with me being a family relative, I started working in this gym part-time. Now, before I go into any more depth, I am not criticizing a, a commercial gym I believe if it's used in the right way, sensibly and wisely, it can be beneficial. But of course the Bible also has an answer for everything in life, and that is that bodily exercise profits little. But I always love the verse, godliness with contentment is great gain. And I love the contentment and the joy and the peace that I have in my heart now. Not so much whenever I was working in this gym. 
But we also have to be aware of what some gyms is all about. And, you know, perhaps you might see somebody and they look good and they're all muscly and toned up and all the rest. But, you know, there's a lot of things that happen behind closed doors. These people could be indulging in anabolic steroids and frequent drug use because it helps to strip off body fat and things like that there. So within a very short space of time, even though I had took a drink, I had smoked, I had took party drugs, I had never really, I was quite naive as to really what went on in this big bad world. And a very short space of time working in this gym, um, I started taking anabolic steroids. Why? Because people was doing it. People were selling them in the gym. And they were also uh, selling drugs in the gym as well. Now, I had never took this particular drug before I started working in the gym. And very simply, it was a fellow that sold it, it was offered to me. And of course that was the drug uh, cocaine. And it's a white powdered substance. It's a very, very expensive habit to have. One of its street names uh, would actually be called the rich man's drug. And that is because it is very, very expensive. Now, I can honestly say, as the devil is always about his work and is always sin betrays itself so subtly. At the start, I found it enjoyable. I found it like a release. And I'm ashamed to stand here and say that tonight, but it's the truth. But very, very quickly, within a very short space of time, that disappeared. And again, the Bible has an answer for that. Sin is only pleasurable, but for a season. But see, everything tonight that God has to offer me and you, it's not fake, It's not temporary, it's eternal. Eternal joy, peace, happiness. I don't know about you, but that's what I desired and that's what I wanted in my life and I didn't have it. Have you got it tonight? Are you content? Are you miserable? The fun and games very quickly disappeared. It got really, really bad. It got to be where I could have took it or left it at the weekends. I had control over it to a certain degree. Very quickly, the water kept filling up in the water tank and the weeds and the briars kept coming up around my neck to give you a visual illustration. And it got so bad where this small, tiny bag had total control over my life. It totally dictated to me. I had no control over it. It had control of my life. I had lost control over what I was doing. I found myself to my shame on, not all the time, but on a few occasions, sadly, I actually was stealing off my own uncle. Uh, Whenever people were paying for their gym memberships and stuff, I was slipping the odd note into my pocket to fulfill my own selfish desires and my craving for the drugs. And that's the thing about somebody being addiction. You become so self-centered, and it's all about me, me, me. And the thing about somebody being addiction, because what is addiction? Addiction is sin in somebody's life. It doesn't only affect the individual, but it affects everybody else around them. And we've all heard the saying that we hurt the people we love the most. It's so sad, but yet it's so true. And this was the case in my life. I put my family through nothing but hell and torture. My family were distraught many a time. They were in tears. The aunt that took me to Sunday school was devastated. My granny and granda that seen me make a profession at a time were absolutely gutted beyond belief. 
And yet they were looking at a family member. They were looking at their grandson. They were looking at a son. They were looking at a nephew that was completely addicted. No hope. No future. Miserable. Unhappy. Didn't want to live anymore. In fact, I would go as far as saying, and this really is the truth, I went to bed at night and I would have prayed, God, take me home. Take me home. I was miserable. It even brings a tear to me, I even thinking about it. Because it brings me back of where I was in my life. I had no money. I remember my mother saying to me, she says, Matthew, you haven't even enough money to buy yourself a pair of socks. Might sound a bit far-fetched, but it was the absolute truth. I had nothing. Hadn't even money to put fuel in my car. Why? Because my drug use took priority. The fun and games had well and truly gone. It was, my life was a walking misery. I always use the illustration of a hamster that walks around in a wee wheel and it goes round and it goes round and it goes round and it goes round. And it's just a continual cycle. It's a continual pattern. And that's the way I was in my life. I used to wake up in the morning and I would have said to myself, not this the day again. Isn't that sad? It gets even better. Or should I say worse? With me being addicted, a full-time functional addict, which means that I was basically still holding on to a full-time job. Visually, I looked fine. Visually, I could have hid it. But what lay in beneath, what, what lay under the exterior was so much more. And that was that I got badly attacked as well due to my drug use and what I was involved in. And I got badly, badly attacked. I got, uh, in fact, I got both my cheekbones broke and I got an eye socket fractured of plates in my face. And, that, and again, this is nothing to boast about. I stand here with nothing but humility and shame to make you aware of the depths that someone can go to in their life. And I always use the illustration of a car as well, and it is a true story, in fact. I went to look at a car one time that was advertised on the internet. I was looking for a new car at the time. Now, the women might not be that interested in this, and I'm sorry about this, but maybe for the men I might find it a bit more appealing. And I went to look at this car. I actually wasn't too far from here. And before I rung the owner, I got a look around the car. But seeing the advertisement of the car, it came across very, very well. It was clean, full year's MOT, new tyres, paintwork seemed to be immaculate, inside seemed to be good. I painted a good picture of the car, so I went and seen it. So I went, arrived, and I went and looked at this car. And thank goodness I didn't ring the fella. And I went and I took a look around the car, and I looked around, and I looked around the arches, it was bubbling at the arches, it started rusting. The tires, they were nearly as smooth as my head. And I looked at the inside, it must have been a smoker, it was filled with cigarette ash. There was rips in the interior, it must have been a dog owner, it was full of dog hairs too. In other words, it was rotten. Why do I tell you that story? Because sometimes, oftentimes with people, we can put on a good front can't we? We can put on a good smile. How are you? I'm fine. But are you? Or are you like the car? We're inside, you're worn out, you're run down, you're tired, 
You're burnt out. Are you like the car? Be sure your son will find you out. And this verse came true in my life more than one occasion. And it eventually did find me out. And it was another stealing incident. My addiction would get worse. Now, at my worst, I still wasn't taking it every day simply because I didn't have the money to feed my habit, nor did I ever sell drugs either. So this kind of brings me to really where the rubber hit the road, so to speak. And I was in charge of this gym. My uncle was back out working again, and I was in charge of staff rotas and cleaning and just the various running of the business. And um, I actually had a man's wages in my pocket to pay him. And you'll probably know what I'm going to say next. And it wasn't very good, it wasn't very nice. And I'm ashamed, but it's the truth. And I took that man's money and I spent it on, on drugs instead of paying that fella. And this is really the devastation that it brings. Even though I knew I was doing wrong, but I literally, I couldn't help myself. The greed and the hunger for the drugs was unbelievable. It was all that filled my mind. It was all that consumed me was cocaine. And my uncle rung me. I was in the way to, to get drugs. And my uncle rung me and we had a conversation and I asked how the day went and was it busy and all the rest. And he says, uh, did, did you pay that man? And I says, I did, I did, I. And then the phone call ended and then I went and I drove on a wee minute or two. And then the phone rung again. But this time my heart sunk because it was my uncle again. And I knew what was coming next. And he says to me, Matthew, I'm going to ask you again. He says, did you pay that fella? And I hesitated for a few seconds. And I says, I did. And he hesitated for a few seconds too. He says, you're an absolute liar. Because what had happened was the fella that I was meant to give his wages to had rung my uncle. Be sure your sin will find you out. Might not be tomorrow. Might not be next week. Might not be next month. But it will eventually catch up with you. My chances had run done. In my addiction, I had chance after chance after chance after chance. I had enough support from family, from good Christian people. But the reality was, I didn't want to know. Wasn't interested. Why? Because I was still enjoying what I was doing. And that's the point that I need to make tonight as well. Before we can go about helping people, helping an individual, whether they're involved in addiction or not, they need to be ready. They need to be receptive of the help. You cannot lead a horse to water and make it drink. They need to want it. There needs to be a, uh, an agreement made, a mutual agreement. They need to meet you half roads. And see whenever you know that a person wants the help, that's whenever you can move in and you can help and support that person as much as you can. Now, just to encourage us, it doesn't mean that we should ever, ever give up on someone. Why? Because, praise God, nobody ever give up on me. For the prayer warriors in the church tonight, keep on praying for your saved family. You have a gospel mission coming up. Pray down the blessing of God that you would see salvation blessing that you would see your families united together in Christ. I'm no different than you. I have family that's not saved too. And do you want to know what? It breaks my heart. Completely breaks my heart. But we need to be faithful in the place of prayer. Why? Because God answers and he hears prayer. 
Always be faithful in the place of prayer. That's the only reason why I'm standing here tonight. But by prayer and by the grace of God. Now, my uncle sacked me after this altercation. He's being very attentive, and I thank you. I hope I'm not being too long-winded. But I am nearly finished. So I got sacked from my job. My chances had become no more. And I can honestly say, during my addiction days, I was addicted for about between six and seven years, roughly. And I can honestly say, because that seed was planted in me as a young boy, with me making that false profession, I knew the only thing that could make me happy. Charles Spurgeon quoted, and he says, You will never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything but Christ. The world can offer us many, many things tonight, but do you want to know what? It'll leave you empty. But see everything that Christ is and what he offers and what he is, he will leave you full. I know only Christ can satisfy your soul tonight. And I was seeking for help and I was searching the internet online, social media and various other avenues. And I stumbled across a Facebook page called The Answer to Addiction. And this is where a dear friend comes into play and of course that is uh, our brother Chris Killen who is a dear, dear friend to me and he has helped me tremendously well So he has down through the years and he still remains a faithful, faithful friend. And him and his wife Linda do a wonderful work all across throughout Northern Ireland for men and women that's caught up with stubborn habits and addictions. And Chris was advertising a meeting and I remember listening to another fellow who got saved by the grace of God who was also addicted to drugs. And I can remember that, that night in particular I was sitting in my bedroom intoxicated with drugs and drink and tablets and everything else that went along with that. And I remember just crying my heart out. The tears was just tripping down both sides of my cheeks because it was broken. I had came to the end of myself. I had came to the place of despair, brokenness and devastation. And I wanted change. Why? Because I had enough. I was done with the old life. I wanted what Christ had to offer me and he can offer it to you too. And it was arranged for me to go to a Christian residential men's home in the south of Dublin in a place called Talla. And it's called New Hope Residential Centre and it's run by a man called Leighton Kelly. Now unfortunately because they, are, uh, they only have 16 beds, I would have had to have waited probably about a month or so to get a bed free up, freed up for me to enter this men's home. But praise God the Lord had other plans and he opened up other doors. And it was actually, um, this offer was presented to me uh, with, from a few men they belong to your denomination. And um, it was put to me, he says, Matthew, you can't get into the home in Dublin, but if it was organized for you, would, would you be willing to go to America? And I says, certainly. I says, well, no problem. And that's whenever you know an individual is ready for help, as whenever they want the help, whenever they're willing and ready to change. And I was truly ready for change in my life because I knew the only thing that could set me free And that was, of course, a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can satisfy your needy soul this evening. And I flew out to Rockford, Illinois on December 2000. And I'm trying to get mixed up with my dates now, but um, it was December 2017, rather. And um, it was a place called Rockford, Illinois. 
And they had a men's home and a ladies' home. Now, by the way, it's not a program that can change a person. But what a program does is it gives you the right tools, it prepares a person, it learns you, uh, it learns you life qualities, and it's really there to shape you and mold you and develop you as a Christian. And that's where people, men and women, are exposed to the gospel, to the preaching of God's word, that by faith that they might receive it. And I landed to this men's home in America, and the very first question I got asked whenever I went through the door was, are you saved? And this showed you the love and the, and the spirit that was in this home. There was 43 men, so I'll leave it to your own imagination. It was pretty hard work at times. You had 43 personalities that sometimes clashed together. But it was good. It was fun. It was enjoyable. And the very first night I was there at that men's home, I poured my heart out to God. I says, Lord, I says, from this moment on, I want you to do a work in my heart and in my life. And with me making that choice, with me taking that decision, I have never looked back ever since. That'll be five years ago on the 20th of December, God willing, this year. My life has really, truly, completely changed. Why? I stopped doing life my way and I wanted to begin doing life God's way. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives if we are willing to let him in. Are you willing to let him in tonight? I graduated the program. It was a six-month program. I then began to thought, I thought, right, what are you going to do whenever you get home? I started praying about it. I started seeking the Lord. And I was also asked another question about working down at the men's home in Dublin. This is where I was originally meant to go to. So I stayed at home with my family for about two or three weeks and I made the way down to the south of Dublin in Tala. And I actually moved, I actually lived in Tala for 10 months. Again, it was an amazing experience. It was something that was completely different to Randallstown. Uh, Dublin is just completely different to up home. But do you want to know what? It's really, really good to be out of your comfort zone. And not only that, I knew that I was in God's will, so therefore I was content and I was happy. And I was just being patient and waiting the Lord for his next step in my life. I was down there for 10 months. The Lord did move again. I'll never forget it. I was doing a class with a man at the men's home and my phone rang. And uh, again, it was through another dear friend who owns his own business in Antrim. And he says, Matthew, we have prayed about this. We've spoken to your pastor. And we believe this is the right time for you to come back up home. I had done six months in America. I had done an additional 10 months in Dublin. And I was fairly grounded in the Lord at that time. Even though even today, even tonight, I still class myself as a babe in Christ. But it was enough time for me to get myself sorted and to get grounded and to get a proper foundation. I've now been working a full-time job for over three years. And that might not seem like a lot to some people. But do you want to know what? It means absolutely everything to me to live a normal life again. To be happy, to be content, to be just a part of society really. And where I went to as a young boy, Randallstown, free, is where the Lord has placed me again. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm now a Sunday school teacher, teaching children. I've been doing that now for about two years. I'm a communicate member of the church in Randallstown. I'm out helping Chris, doing various visitations and stuff. I'm involved in the youth in Randallstown. I'm involved in the children's work. Why? Because I'm hungry and thirsty for the things of God. 
I owe absolutely everything to the Lord for everything that he has done for me and you. So therefore, I owe everything to him. And I ask sincerely that you would pray for me as I ask for the Lord to reveal his will for my life. And I'll share something with you. It would be my heart's desire if it was the Lord's will, if he would lead me into the ministry full time. And I would sincerely ask that you would pray for me. I'm not a bit afraid to ask or to say that. Would you pray for me that the Lord would lead and direct me in the days ahead? I want to know for sure that it's God's will. I need to know that it's God's will. And you need to know. You all want to know what God's will is for your life too, don't you? And I'm no different. But I want to serve God. I love him. And I thank him for everything he's done in my life. He has really mended all family relationships. The uncle that I stole off, we have never been as close. My uh, mum, me and her, as all my family, we are so, so close. Why? Because they see the change. And they see the change is not fake, but indeed it's real. Why? Because I'm a new creature in Christ. And I close with this Bible verse. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Folks, tonight, remember, the world will leave you absolutely empty. It will eat you and it will spew you back out again. It will only bring you despair and unhappiness. But see what Christ has to offer you, what he has given to me. He offers the same for you tonight. I ask you, how do you stand with God tonight? How do you stand with him? I pray that you'd be standing close with him tonight, before this night's over, for Jesus' sake. Amen.